Um, but no, last week, actually the last two weeks, we started a series called The Fight and out of Ephesians chapter 6, and we started talking a, a couple weeks ago that we are in a fight. And oftentimes we don't realize or we don't recognize sometimes that we are in the midst of a fight, and, and we would call that a spiritual warfare or a spiritual fight. And, and, and so when we look at this thing of life and we start going through all of the paths that you take and, and whatever it is that you do on a weekly or daily basis, how you go to work and, and who you talk to and communicate with and the things around us, we are in the midst of a fight. If you didn't know, we're in the midst of a, we were in the midst of a fight this last week. If you, it was all across the news. If you did not see that, I don't know what cave you were in, but in Boston there was a, an issue. And, and so we, we have this. And those are things that we know. When I see that, I recognize, hey, that's, that's fighting. That's, we're in the middle of a problem. Well, we don't see that in our daily lives. When I walked, woke up this morning, when I woke up last week, that wasn't outside of my door. It's kind of interesting that I had people that I went to college with that live in that town and are in, in ministry there. But, but I don't wake up and, and look outside of my door and see that. I've never one time in all of my life, I can't say never one time there was, but I never one time looked out my windows and my whole entire house was surrounded by police or people were coming in searching and things like that. There was a time when I came home from church one night and my house was surrounded by undercover police and I looked at Mindy and I said, what did you do? No, I didn't. But if you ever experienced that, that is a scary thought because I pulled in the driveway and all of these men with guns are walking from my backyard and I'm going, what just happened to my house? Like no one was home. Uh, the guy that lived there previous, I guess, was not a nice guy. And uh, they were seeing if he was back because they noticed vehicles were there. But anyway, we're not in the midst of it in the sense of war that we see that. But spiritually, we are all in a battle. We're in a battle that we don't even often think about. We don't realize so many times. And last week, we, two weeks ago, we talked about that, that battle that we're in. Last week, we talked about truth. And we talked about um, the belt of truth in, in Ephesians chapter 6. And, and so I talked a lot about who truth was. We talked about um, finding truth, and then we talked about Christ being truth, or he lived it in everyday life. We thumbed through and went through a ton of scripture last week, and we will again this week. But, but we talked about truth, and so much of truth is that foundation, and we talked, we went right back to Genesis 1, and we talked about the, the, the forming of our earth and how God created in six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. We talked about how in our society, there are hardly any absolute truths any longer. You can't stand firm on much of anything because we can make an excuse for everything in our society. And if you say God, then it becomes that you offended me and blah, 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 blah. And, and if you talked about it in school, then it's a whole nother mess. And so we, we talked a little bit about truth, the foundation going back to in the beginning and in, in the beginnings of Genesis and, and how that should be our foundation as a Christian. This morning, we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. And as we look at this, and as I did my study, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what the breastplate was, what the, the actual breastplate was, and then we're going to get into how it kind of protects us and, and what exactly that it is. The breastplate is a protector of the main organs of the soldier's body. So in those days when they went out to war and when they got all themselves, when they got ready, the breastplate was basically like a vest. We, we wear them today. We just don't call them a breastplate. We call it like a flak jacket or some type of bulletproof something. But it protects all the main vitals inside of your body. Your heart, your lungs, all the, the things inside of there. It's that main protector. And so as we look at that, it is similar to, a, again, it's a vest covering the heart, the major organs it is basically a heavy piece of leather or a very heavy material. They would cover it with, and they would put different things on it. They would put animal hooves and, and horns and different things that were hard and strong and solid that would be protection all about their chest. And this, again, was something that would protect the body. And so we might go, and, and I'll be honest, when I started looking at this, why then is it, why do we refer the breastplate with the breastplate of righteousness? Where does that kind of tie in? 
And basically, here's what this is. Holiness is a distinct characteristic of Christ. Righteousness is the chief protection against Satan and his schemes. If truth is kind of the foundation or what holds things together and keeps the armor together, which is what we talked about last week, that foundation, then in order for us to keep the truths in our lives, we must walk in righteousness. We must, we must walk according to as God has planned. Without walking in His way, we then become open in all of our vital areas and the enemy can attack us. So righteousness is a protector of what we talked about last week. Righteousness is kind of our everyday life of that truth. Because righteousness is, is, is me going in my daily life and I have to make right choices. I have to do the right thing, say the right thing, act this way, do this thing, and all those things. Righteousness is, is really my outward expression, so to speak, of what truth is. It protects my heart. It protects me in all of the vital areas of everything that I do. And so as we look at this and as we start talking about this and we look at at what this war is that we're in, we need to be protected, but we need to be protected again in the beginning of of Ephesians there. We start in verse 10. It talks about the flesh and uh, the principalities of the air and those types of things. But as we look at all these things, the war that you may be fighting though it may be similar to mine, is probably not the same as mine. In our righteousness, in our chest, in our breastplate, when we start looking at all these things and we start kind of tying the pieces together over the course of this sermon, the idea is that we don't open ourselves up. That it's sealed up. I've never put one of them things on. But... My assumption is you don't want one that you zip up in the middle and everything's covered except for that little piece in the middle. My assumption is you want the whole thing covered. Because I don't want any little piece of my heart or my chest to be exposed to you with a gun. That's kind of the goal of what that is. So if that's the goal, then as a Christian, it's the same thing. I want myself to be covered. I want myself, that breastplate, to cover me. And so... As I go and fight this fight and I go into this war, Satan knows every little piece that's opened. And he's doing everything that he can to shoot us in that opening. And so as we go through this this morning and we we start looking at righteousness and we start looking at what this is and and how it affects you, we're going to look at a, a lot of different things. The war we as Christians are facing isn't bullets and guns. But it's daily things that can pierce our righteousness. We don't even sense that it is happening. It's things that are in our lives every single day that we don't realize sometimes that as we make those decisions. We often use the term in our world of the slippery slope. Once you start it, you're going to go down. Many times we don't realize the TV show that we're watching is a part of the devil's scheme to bring us to a slippery slope. We don't realize the the desensitization, is that a word? The desensitization, that's a hard word to say. But we don't realize that as we are desensitized that it is that slippery slope within our Christian life. I've seen it, kids in our video games, and many of you would probably scream and yell and fight me with video games. Some of you are adults and you're gamers and that's fine if you're into that. But the desensitization that it does to us what we watch on TV and the graphics and the things that we see on a regular basis, if you watched any of the news this past week with everything that was taking place, it wasn't anything for us to look and see blood all over the street. That is very normal. That is very commonplace to us. We play video games where if I have a gun, I'm shooting things, and you can see how it goes in and the explosion of the body and all those things, and that's awesome. And if it's not a certain graphic and it's not this or it's not that, then it's not cool anymore. It's desensitization to those types of things. But it does the same thing in our Christian lives when we allow things in and it just cuts away at the truth that we try to build upon in our daily lives. Because the music that I listen to, 
cuts away at my foundation. The things that I watch on TV, the people that I surround myself with and talk to, how I talk, what am I exposing myself to? And no, we can't live in a little bubble. And yes, you have to go to work and we have to face all of these things. But I have to be on guard. My breastplate has to be sealed, closed, so that when I go, when that thing faces me, I can say, no, I will not do whatever it is. And it may not be some heinous thing. It may be as simple as I spent 20 bucks to go to a stupid movie And when I walked in, the first six things that were on the screen were something that I shouldn't watch, and I have to suck it up and take my 20 bucks and throw it in the trash and walk out of that theater and say, I can't do that. That's hard to do, because you worked really hard for that money, and you really wanted to see that movie. I'm sure it's not going to be. We'll just stick it out. I've done it. There's been times I've stuck out a movie, and then I've left, and I go, why did I not leave? And I'm mad at myself for leaving. There's been times when I went to a movie and I left in the middle of it and I was ticked off that I wasted the money. But I felt a whole lot better about myself when I left knowing that I should have left because what I was watching, it wasn't good for me. Than I did having watched that whole thing and then got to the end and gone. And I just allowed all that in. And I know that hits home and that's hard and and all of those things, but that's the righteousness because if it's okay to go see it, if it's okay to go listen to it, then, well, if I slip up and say it, if I slip up and do this, then here's what it is. Satan has a little hole in your righteousness in that breastplate, and he knows where to attack you. And the next time, that hole is going to go from this big to this big to this big to this big, to now I don't even have it on because I've allowed myself the small things. Again, things that we don't realize. Believe me, in my life, there's things I've allowed in that I never realized were destroying who I was and what I wanted to become. I would say this to teenagers all the time. How many of you would want to be a millionaire and make millions of dollars? And of course, everybody's hand does what? Me. And then my next question would be, well, what do you have to do to make a million dollars? Sit on your duff at home and play video games for 24 hours? Does that make you a million dollars? No. And then, of course, nowadays somebody goes, there's people that get paid to play video games. (laughs) But the reality of it is, if I want to make a million dollars... There's something that I have to do in my life to say, step one has to be this, step two has to be this, and there has to be a pattern in my life to get me to that point. One of them is education. I need to go through school. I need to work hard. Well, billionaire such and such dropped out of school. But you get the point. Well, in my Christian life, what do I want to become? So if that's what I want to become, then I have to set out All of these little things. And so with that, when we talk about breastplate of righteousness and we go through this, the goal is that, yes, there's going to be a time where we're going to get a chink out of our armor. We're human beings, we're sinful, and we'll get into that this this morning. But I want to do everything that I can to protect the truth that I have built in my foundation on and so that when I keep moving forward, I can be protected. Because the goal is righteousness. The goal is right living. The goal is to be as much like Christ as I can be like Christ. If you would turn with me again to Ephesians chapter 6. And once again, we're going to do a responsive reading. So if you'd stand with me, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be in verse number 10 and we'll go to 18. I'll start in 10. If you would join me in verse number 11. And we'll read responsively. And then we will get into the points this morning. But in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, it says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may... <laughs> I cannot say that. Ye may... Let's do that again, because I continually mess that one up. Let's do 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the, the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your truth found in your word. Lord, I thank you for warning us of the, the fight that we will be in forever until you come back. Lord, I thank you that we can study your word and, and understand and know that you've given us a defense. You've given us a breastplate that we can stand and that we can do what's right and stand firm on your word. And Father, I ask that you'd speak through me this morning. Lord, that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to what you would have for us. And it is your name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated, and hopefully I can speak better than I read through that passage there. But we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6. The first point is this this morning is simple. What is righteousness? And as we look at this, and, and we're really the, the main point of this, I'm not going to so much, I'll give you a definition, but the point of this isn't to to give you so much of a definition, but when we look at righteousness, what is righteousness when it comes to, to this armor? What is exactly, what is it for? And so when we look at righteousness initially, we see that righteousness would be, in one definition, you've got integrity, you've got being upright, you've got being just, and, and maybe an innocence, someone that is true, someone that is sincere. One of the definitions that I looked up, it said to do right in God's eyes. Righteousness is a chief, chief attribute of God, one of his attributes. Righteousness is a protection of the foundation of the truth. Righteousness is a protection of the foundation of the truth. If you have your Bible with you, and I pray that you do, why don't you flip with me to Psalms chapter 119 and verse 172. In Psalms 119 and verses 172, and we'll be using our Bible a lot this morning, so keep it handy. But in Psalm 119, in verse 172, we'll see what this passage says about righteousness. Psalm 119, 172, and it says this. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. So when we look at Psalms 119 and 172, we see that for all thy commandments, all of God's commandments are righteousness. And as we continue and as we go through some of this this morning, we're going to again flip through a lot of passages of scripture here, but when we look at these things and we start looking at righteousness and we start looking at it as, as being truth, as being true and sincere and, and right in God's eyes and, and, and doing all of these things, we look at that and we go, well, God's commandments are righteous. So that means that as I follow God's word, as we talked last week and we look into truth and we, we start thinking on those things, when I put truth as the foundation and that is what I'm standing on and that is what I'm growing from and that is what I'm living based on, if that's true, then God's commandments are righteous. So then as I live my life and focus on God's commandments, I'm going to be more apt to live in a righteous lifestyle. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go back to kind of where we started. But in Ephesians chapter number 2. I'm going to read a couple verses here. And to some degree we're going to go what righteousness is not. And then I'm going to tie it together with point number 2 more than anything. But. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, 
wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We all at one point in time were followers, so to speak, of Satan. Though we wouldn't say I was a follower of Satan, we, were, we lived our lives according to the prince of the power of this air. We lived our lives without the thought of, of how great God is and God's righteousness. Again, this, this point isn't so much of going through a definition of, of exactly what righteousness is, but, but really that righteousness is becoming more like Christ. This point that the, the breastplate is our protection from the enemy. I have to be on guard in order to walk in righteousness. I have to be able to, to live according to those the Psalm 119, 172 it talked about. I have to be able to live according to those commandments if those commandments are righteousness. The enemy wants to destroy us. And what are they going to act? What are, if I'm going to go to kill somebody, what am I going to do? I'm going to go after the main vital things. I'm going to go after things that are going to kill them. He's going to go after our heart. He's going to go after the things that he can to destroy who we are. He did all that he could as he controls the air, what we just read in, in Ephesians 2. We know that. But once you've accepted Christ, now he can't save you or keep you from heaven, but he will do everything that he can to destroy you in your Christian walk. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. We'll be in verse number 9 for just a second. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 9 says this. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. He is a deceiver. He wants to deceive the whole world. Think about your own personal life. I'm going to, I'm going to take you through real briefly. We're not going to turn in our Bibles, but I'm going to take you through very briefly in Genesis chapter 3. We see serp, the serpent or Satan slithering around, being deceitful, and, and going up to Eve and asking Eve all types of different questions. And this is how it starts for me personally and for you. To where our armor is 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 destroyed piece by piece by piece. Satan began to deceive her and began basically a real simple conversation making her question what God said. The serpent questioned God's word in verse number one of chapter three. In verse number four, he denies God's word. In verse number five, he begins to challenge God's character, which leads then to verse number six where Eve would eat of the fruit. Go to your life as an individual right now and think about this. Has Satan ever got you into a conversation? You're in the midst of whatever it is that you're doing. We could use the silly movie illustration of sitting in that theater. You may even have the conversation before you get into the theater. It's rated PG-13. Why? It's rated R. Why is it rated R? Why is it this? What is in there? Is there language? Is there nudity? Is there this scene? Is there that scene? And you start going through, but, but Satan will ask you these different questions. And he'll begin to chip away at us, just like he did at Eve in the garden. He'll make you question God's word. Ah, it's okay. He doesn't really mean this. Again, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created. When we start looking at that, in the Christian circles throughout our country is questioned. And they start questioning, well, maybe it's not just one literal day of 24 hours. Maybe it's one day was millions of years. And it really just didn't happen in a literal day. Maybe that's not how he questions you. Maybe it's not something, but that's what he does in our society. As a Christian, you, you get to that point where you want to say something, and then you go, well, 
I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I don't want to offend anybody. I, if I say that, then I'm going to offend. Or if I say this, then I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I, I'll just kind of keep my mouth shut. Listen, whether we think it or not, those are ways that Satan has completely taken God out of this United States of America. Because Christians who once stood firm and who once would stand up and who once would do all these things now go, well, if I say that, then I'm considered a crazy right-wing wacko. And so I'll just kind of keep my mouth shut. But all the while, Satan has used chapter number... or. Chapter 12, verse number 9, is the deceiver of the world to get in and creep in while my breastplate is being chinked away and being chipped away time and time and time and time again. Because why? Satan has came into our lives and he's got us into that conversation. Go ahead, just do it, it won't hurt. Just this one time. Ah, don't, this will be the last time that you do this. No one will even know that you're doing it. Have you ever thought, as a Christian, being in youth ministry for a long time, I got this all the time. They get to have all this fun. And here I am, I have to do all these things that the church gives me rules to do. Satan wants you to think that everything that's outside of these walls is what's great and fun and exciting and that's what we have to do and that's how we have to live our lives. And he makes us think that this Christian life, I have to live in a bubble or I have to do this or I have to do all these things and they're the ones that get all the fun and they're the ones that get all the excitement and they're the ones and they're the ones. If I could do that, then that would be fun. He makes me think that out there is more fun than in here. You know what? And it may look out there like it's a whole lot more fun. But I would venture to say any of you that have lived a life, maybe you lived a life out there for a long time before you came in here, so to speak. And you could sit and you could stand as a testimony and say, you know what? It wasn't so fun losing all my friends. It wasn't so fun being alone. It wasn't so fun when this happened or that happened. It wasn't so fun when, when, when all of this happened. And we may live and we come into this place and we're enticed and we're all of these things. Satan is about seeking to devour who he can. If we go back to the left, just a couple pages in your, in your Bible there in 1 John in chapter number 3. 1 John chapter 3. And we're starting to get to the, the main bulk of what we're getting at this morning. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 4 it says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Lawlessness is the opposite of righteousness. Sin is the opposite of righteousness. So you may look and you may ask me, well, Pastor, from what I'm reading and from what you're telling me, this is pretty hard. I wish I could say that being a Christian was the easiest thing in all the world. It sounds easy. You accept Christ as your Savior, you put your trust in Him, and everything will be taken care of and handled. Well, yeah, it is. When I put my trust in him, he does take care and he does handle. The problem is it's not taken care of and handled the way I think it should be taken care of and handled. And because I'm a prideful, selfish individual, I think that I can take care of it and handle it better than he can take care of it and handle it. And oftentimes, because I can't see God walking into, and hold hands and hang out and give high five, I, I don't really grasp the whole thing sometimes. As we start looking at these things, we start looking at our individual lives and where God has us and where God takes us. Could we go to Isaiah chapter 59? Isaiah chapter 59 in the Old Testament. I'm going to read a few verses in here, here in Isaiah. 
And then we're going to go to point number two. But in Isaiah chapter 59, in the first two verses, it says this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Our iniquities, our sin, our unrighteousness has separated me from an almighty God. In verse number 17 in that same chapter, it says this, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. We see here, this is talking about the the sins of Israel and Jesus Christ are talking about God putting on righteousness as a breastplate, that He is going to come and and, and save this. But but when we look at our own personal lives and we start looking at this, I look at uh, 59, I look at those those first two verses, and I look at my iniquities have separated me. I look at those things, if we go just a, a page or two over in chapter 64, a very familiar verse, chapter 64 and verse 6, we see that, but we are all as unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. When I look at that, I'm just being real honest with you this morning. When I look at that and I start looking at that, I'm supposed to to put on, if I go to, you don't have to go back with me, but when I go to Ephesians in chapter number 6 and I start looking at all those things and it says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Hey, just put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then I go through all those passages of Scripture and I look at it and I go, everything that it said was my sin and my unrighteousness completely separates me. And then I look at that verse in chapter 64 and it says that all my righteousness, all the good that I have is just as a filthy rag. So how in the world, God, am I supposed to put on this breastplate of righteousness and live right and do right and act as if I can do this thing? And when I started asking myself that, and as I was studying, the next thing that came to my mind is this point two is, and I put it wrong on there, but who is righteousness? Who is righteousness? Because when I look at 64 verse 6 in Isaiah, and it says that all my righteousness are as filthy rags, everything good that I do really isn't all that great. But yet I'm supposed to put on righteousness. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to wear this and I'm supposed to do this. We talked last week about who truth was and that Christ is truth. And Christ is life and all those things. Go with me just if you're still in Isaiah. It's just a couple pages over in Jeremiah chapter 23. In Jeremiah chapter 23 you got Isaiah. Then the next book is Jeremiah. Jeremiah 23 and verse number 6. This is, to me, where this whole point gets pretty exciting going through these next few verses. But in Jeremiah 23 and verse number 6, it says, In his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called, the Lord our Righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. Go with me to Psalms chapter 5. We're going to go backwards. So in Psalms chapter 5, I'm going to be in Psalms for just a couple passages here, but in Psalms chapter number 5, I'm going to read quite a few verses in chapter 5 here. But starting in verse 1, it says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and, look, and will look up. 
For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will worship will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Because of mine enemies, make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Listen, as I look at this, and I'm supposed to put this on in Psalm 5 and verse number 8, it says, lead me in my righteousness because of my enemies and it talks about and it keeps going and in verse 12 for thou Lord wilt thou bless the righteous as we go through this and as we look and as we study and as we read and as we go through all these things yes in in Isaiah 64 all of my righteousness is as a filthy rag I cannot do anything good enough I can't put on this breastplate of righteousness that I'm supposed to all by myself We looked in Jeremiah, the Lord is our righteousness. We look in Psalm 5, it says, lead me in your righteousness. If we go to Psalm 23, in verse number 3, a passage of scripture that many of you could quote, but in Psalm 23, 3, it says, he restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is the one. In the next chapter, verse number 5, 24 and verse 5, it says, He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. And if you go with me into Romans, I'm going to spend just a moment in Romans and we're going to finish up this morning. In Romans chapter, we'll start in verse 4. I'm going to read a passage in verse 4, then I'm going to go back to chapter 3. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 3, we see really this is almost a testimony of Abraham here, but in verse number 3, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It was a belief in God that Abraham had that God was able to look down and count righteousness unto Abraham. As we go to Romans chapter 3 and verse number 9, I'm going to read really, we could read this entire passage, but in verse number 9, I'm going to read a couple verses here. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Flip with me to the same chapter 3 there, verse number 20. And it says this, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference." For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in this blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at the time, His righteousness that He might be just and be the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. There is boasting then, It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. 
Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. You say, Aaron, where in the world are you going with all this? When we start looking at this whole thing, if I go back to the question that I asked and the one that that even comes up in my mind is I'm supposed to put on righteousness, but I can't be righteous. I am not righteous. My righteousness are as a filthy rags. When I start looking, when I start studying, when I start reading through this and I look at Romans chapter number three and I see there is none righteous, no, not one. But then I see over as we go from 20 to 28, which I just read, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The righteousness that we put on is Him. The fact that I can put on and I can read and that I'm supposed to put on the breastplate of righteousness is only by Jesus Christ and by the blood that was shed on Calvary that I can have righteousness and stand before an almighty God and read his word and pray is only because Jesus Christ died, rose again and shed his blood for my sins and for yours. It is His righteousness that I can wear. And here's what's awesome about that. Is that, yes, it is, I can look at myself and and I can, man, I'm this, I've done all these things. But it's not about me. If I can stop and when you go home today, look in the mirror and when you get up in the morning, when you look in the mirror and, and maybe you've done something wrong and you look in the mirror and so many times we look and we say, I don't like that guy. I don't like that lady. I don't like this and I don't like that and I hate that person and I do all these things because we don't like who we are. It's not about my righteousness. It's about his righteousness. I can't go before the throne of God as a righteous man, but by the blood of Jesus that washed me clean, that I can go before Jesus Christ and I can stand and I can say it's your righteousness not my righteousness and so today when you when you maybe you want to come and bow before an altar at the end of the service and you go but God I I've done all of these things it's not about having done all those things it's about his righteousness and his blood that washed you white as snow that allows me to come this morning at an altar time and and bow my knee and say, God, I need you. It's about me in the morning kneeling beside my bed and saying, God, I need you. I'm not righteous enough to stand or to kneel or to say, God Almighty, I need you. I'm not. But He shed His blood that washed my sins white as snow that I can. And so when I talk about the breastplate of righteousness as the protection of my truth, as the protection of my life, when I live my life knowing that it's His righteousness, not my righteousness, when I walk every day, I can wear that breastplate and wear it proud and say, He is my righteousness. He is the one when I have God's word hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him. That when I'm faced with the challenge that I can stand and I can spread my shirt and say, go ahead. It is his righteousness. I'm going to make the right choice. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to act the right way. I'm going to do these things in you because it's your righteousness, not my righteousness. It is he who wants to protect you. But the hard part is, so many times in my Christian life, so many times I've looked in the mirror and I've said, but God, that guy's a loser. That guy did all of these sins. That guy in the mirror did all of this stuff. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And it's God that says, no, you can't do it. I already did it. It is my righteousness, Aaron. It is my righteousness, not yours. And if we can grasp this, The main point of this whole sermon this morning is that right there. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God.
In that next verse, it says, for being justified freely by his grace. There is nothing that you can do. There's nothing that I can do outside of giving it over to Christ. Standing on the truth of God's word the best that I can. Learning God's word, knowing God's word, hiding God's word in my heart. Doing those things that then I can look and I go, he is my righteousness. He is why I can say no. He is why I can do this. He is why I can face this temptation. He is why I can face this addiction. He is why I can, and you put it in there. And last but not least, as we leave this morning, how to wear righteousness. How to wear righteousness. One of the things we've been going through, if you've been in our Wednesday night Bible study, we've been going through Romans chapter 12 the last few weeks. And if you're not going, I encourage you to come Sunday nights and Wednesday nights as we study in different passages and different things. But Romans chapter 12, one of the things that we've hit on, if you want to go there, we can. I'm not really going to read a lot. But in the, the second verse of Romans chapter 12, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As we look at how to wear this thing of righteousness, one of the very first things that we must do is we must begin to think properly. Our minds must be transformed. We must be renewed by Christ. We must be renewed. We must transform our minds. Can I share with you the very, very, very first step of this? And I would go to, I would venture to say, Close to 100% of this room would probably profess this. But the very first thing that we must face when we look at this and how we can wear it is first that step of salvation. We talked a lot of it just a second ago in Romans chapter 3. The very first thing of, of putting on this righteousness is accepting the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth to live a perfect and sinless life because he loved you and that he would he died on an old rugged cross because he loved you and he loved me and it starts with me accepting the fact that i'm a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god which we just read it starts with that that i would accept jesus christ as my lord and savior one of the next things that would take place is how i can wear this thing and and i'm probably going to wear this out in the next throughout this series here of the fight. Study. Read God's Word. Take time to meditate on God's Word. Learn God's Word. Grow in God's Word. Make God's Word the foundation of your life. Take it. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. This, again, what I quoted in Psalms 119, my word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. As I live on this, as you live on this, walking in righteousness becomes a little bit easier. Because when those things, those fiery darts start coming, I can start quoting the scripture that God's been given to me, that I've been studying, that I've been reading. Studying, learning, growing knowing prayer what is your personal devotional life like how are you putting or who are you putting in your life what are the things that surround you choosing to do right listen it's a whole lot easier for me to choose to do right when my friends are choosing to do right with me and are encouraging me to do right, and are helping me to do right. Who holds you accountable to anything in your life? Well, I don't do too much wrong, and I'm a pretty good person, or whatever you might want to say there. Now, who's holding you accountable? None of us are good enough. We read that. My righteousness are as filthy rags. We're going to be faced with temptations. We're going to be faced with a number of different things, and we can go through tons of Scripture but how do you wear it? Are you reading? Are you studying? Are you praying? Are you surrounding yourself with the right people? Do you have accountability? Are you putting the right music in your life, the right television in your right life, the music or the movies? 
It is a daily thing that we have to do. It starts with you every day in your own private world. I've said it over and over and over again from this pulpit. If you come to this church expecting that I'm going to be able to fill you all that you need until you come again next Sunday morning, you're wrong. That is not my job. That is your job every day to live the Christian life. I am going to do everything I can to encourage you, to coach you, to help you, to account, hold you accountable, to do all of those things. But it is your job every day, just like it's my job every day, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian, to get into God's Word, to pray, to read, to study, to do all of those things. That is what helps me to live the righteous life. And as we close, Romans chapter 13 and verse number 11, it says this, and I'm going to read this just for sake of time, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Can I challenge you, our church, the people that are here, Now is the time to step up, basically. When we look at it, it says, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Listen, I don't know if we... I'm sarcastically saying this. I don't know that we understand the fight that we're in in our country and in our world. Jesus is coming back. And I don't think it's going to be too long. I'm not a prophet, and I'm not going to tell you in six months that Jesus is coming back on a certain time and a, time and a day. I'm not doing that. But he's coming back. It's around the corner. And this is telling us in this passage of Scripture The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. It is about time that people in our society, in our world, in Las Vegas, how about this? Oasis Baptist Church puts on the armor of light, puts on the breastplate. Let's go fight and say, it's not about me. It's about his righteousness. So guess what? I can do that thing. I can be bold. You know what? I watch sports all the time and somebody might hit a home run and somebody might dunk a basketball. Somebody might make an awesome tackle. And for whatever reason, this whole thing of Superman, they spread their chest. How about this? I am not Superman. I can't dunk a basketball. I will never hit a home run in an MLB stadium. And I'm not going to tackle anybody in football because I will get ran over like they, a truck. But here's what I can do. I am a Christian who has Jesus Christ on my side, who died, rose again, his blood was shed for the remissions of my sins, that I could stand boldly and I can spread my chest and I can wear the breastplate of righteousness and say, it's not about me, it's about him. And we can live boldly in sin city and we can be a light in this community for Jesus Christ. So, The fight is on. We're there. The truth was last week. Righteousness is this week. Righteousness is now living the truth. Am I bold enough to live the truth?